to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Ahoy, hoy. And Daniel. Hey. Today, we'll be discussing Season 6, Episode 10, which is titled Family Matters. Not related to the show. <laughs> uh, this episode aired on January 6th in the year 2000. Wild. Uh, Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? At midnight, on January 1st, the entire world ends after computers everywhere literally explode due to a completely unknown glitch present in every computer every made, ever made. Come on. You I thought to... I was going to lose it, didn't you? I, ha- I had to make some joke it's about it. It's excellent. We all survived Y2K and lived to see another day. I didn't even mean to make that rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> in what can only be considered one of the most poorly aged decisions in Russian history, Boris Yeltsin resigns as president of russia leaving the prime minister and current mass murderer and war criminal vladimir putin as acting president i said what i said no I arguments said for me said. i know uh, but everyone knows i write these headlines yep. though one day after accepting the job to be the new york jets head coach bill belichick resigns and immediately becomes the new head coach for the new england patriots well, daniel any thoughts on this uh, just one of those weird little footnotes of sports history of like that. It's one of those things that sounds really weird in hindsight that he resigned after one day. Like that's just very odd to me, but I still have that vivid, vivid image in my head of, of him at that press conference with the jets logo over his shoulder, uh, being injured. Cause he was, they had a whole press conference and everything. And then he resigned and yeah, immediately. Yeah. And it's still their coach to this day. It's like, what the fuck? Say hey, six Super Bowls ain't wrong. So I guess they made the right choice. Apparently, computer-generated mice are quite popular, as Stuart Little, starring Michael J. Fox, Gina Davis, and Hugh Laurie, is the number one movie for all three weeks of the holiday break. Other new releases include the best Star Trek movie ever, Galaxy Quest, Any Given Sunday, Bicentennial Man, and Man on the Moon. I feel like I have a personal connection to almost every single one of those movies in one way or another. Like <laughs> some of them are my all time favorites. Some of them are truly, truly terrible. Looking at you by Centennial man. Uh, hey, but, I like that movie. It's, I have you know, a lot of childhood memories surrounding that. movie. Uh, I mean, I certainly do too, but that's, you know, there, I have childhood memories attached to a lot of terrible movies. So, you know, fair. Like, I haven't watched it in a while, so I'm sure it's probably terrible. Probably takes on a different connotation now that Robin Williams is no longer with us. But can we all, please, for the love of God, anyone who's li- who's ever w- who's listening to this and has not seen Galaxy Quest, please, for the love of God, go acquire it somehow. Galaxy Quest it. is definitely the like bell of the ball of this group here. Yeah. Like, go see that movie if you have not already. And frankly, go watch the documentary about it that's on Amazon yes. Prime, which is really I still, great. I still need to watch that. The, the, the section on Alan Rickman will reduce you to a puddle of tears, I swear to God. We, we didn't deserve Alan Rickman, but by Grabthar's hammer, let's continue. Let me tell you one more thing. If Smooth by Santana and Rob Thomas ever left the number one spot on the music charts, it'd be a crying shame. Save your tears, though, because it holds the top spot for an 11th consecutive week. Nicely done, Lizzie. <laughs> I only got... I only got... So I only have so many more times. So many more times that I can make jokes, so... Gotta get them in. Uh, as for what else was on that evening... Lauren, I'm gonna need some help with the uh, 9 o'clock hour here. Uh, at 8 p.m., friends with the episode The One with the Apothecary Table. Uh, at 8.30, Jesse with the episode Kurt Slips and Niagara Falls. 
at ah. 9 p.m. Frasier with the episode blah blah blah. <laughs> word word. Yeah, the I spell pulled... spell check assures me that this is a word, and I've just never heard it and don't know what it means. R D. Oh, okay, no. Okay, I, I know exactly which one this is. It means it's a license plate. It's for Road Warrior because oh. it's the episode where they take an RV trip together. Okay. Today I learned there was an RV trip episode of Frasier. Uh, at 9.30, Stark Raving Mad with the episode The Crush. Uh, this mean, I'm assuming I'm assuming that Friends episode is their crossover with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, you know, I'm just anything's possible these no. days. A- a- anything is possible. I-, I don't. I don't know what it was with the words with this week's episode. They're trying to kill me. Uh, but uh, this week's episode has 28.7 million viewers tuning in. It is directed by our own Anthony Edwards, uh, doing his third out of four. Uh, last time we saw him in the director's chair was of Past Regret and Future Fear. And this week's episode is written by Patrick Harbinson, doing his second out of three. And his previous one that we talked about was Green with Envy. And after uh, of note. After I'm sure she's off parenting, but Carol's not on the in the ER this week, so I'm sure she's still on maternity leave. I think they Good do for... actually mention that at one point that she's yeah. still on maternity leave for another week. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but Corday and Mark are coming into work and they're discussing barbecuing in January, and Mark is totally totally gonna do it just like any true Midwesterner would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my dad would barbecue no matter the time of year. <laughs> he preferred to do it in the summer, but yeah. He, but he would always roll out that damn grill. No, but at the time. I'm going to have summer, even if it's by force. Exactly. Uh, but Andrew is there. Yay! Mm-hmm. Is this is this his last appearance? I think he has one more. One more. Okay. Uh, but Andrew's there, and he gives Corday and Mark their messages for the morning. Uh, apparently, Romano needs to talk to them both because there's a new resident that Romano can't pronounce the name of starting today because her new york program because her new york program fell through and apparently her dad's loaded so just got her a spot at county okay uh mark's and apparently mark's dad is also presumably run away from his nursing home totally normal one fun uh we find out another one of dean's victims is still missing because they found the car but not the woman uh, Robert and the investigator think that Corday may be able to get the information. Uh, they're looking for Jenny Cordova. And Carter is working with a visibly agitated woman, and they need to call security on her. And all of a sudden, Deb shows up. Our very own Jing Mei Chen is back. Everybody. <laughs> she looms over him and is like, hey, how you doing? It's totally. really, It's a really good way to like bring a character back that, like, I don't know that because they didn't telegraph this at all no, so like i no. i th- i feel like most casual viewers especially since they've presumably gained a lot of new viewers over the last 6 years probably don't remember the the little med student that was with yeah. Carter 6 years ago so like when Car- when uh, Romano says Chen something or other and by the way he's cha- her first name has changed i'm not sure a lot of people made that connection i'm sure a few diehards did but like on the whole i'm sure it was still a huge surprise when all of a sudden boom she pops up yep yeah and then we are in with bangs you know what we forgot to do what we forgot to check if she was in the credits i don't think she was oh she is she is is immediately in the credits yep okay welcome to the credits ming na wen is she is she still ming na or ming na wen at this point uh ming na wen i believe okay 
Um, but yeah, let's get our first audio clip in God knows how long with Jing with Jing Man Carter. I'm surprised to see you down here. Thought you'd get a surgical residency for sure. I did. I gave it up. Deb oh. Chen, you're the new resident. Oh, that's right, Dr. Green. Oh, but it's Jing May now. Actually, it always right. was. Sorry. Carter, listen, I might have to fly to San Diego this morning, so if you could show uh, Deb Jing May the uh, ropes, okay? Sure. Hey, is everything okay? Well, my father's barricaded himself in our old house. There's no heat, there's no electricity. He's running around in his underwear, so actually everything isn't okay. But thanks for asking. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually pretty surprised to see you around here. I uh, thought you dropped out of medicine after... Uh... Almost killed that patient by leaving a guide wire in his chest. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up. Oh, yes, you did, John, but that's okay. And let's face it, it was kind of a low point. But it did force me to face the truth. I was being way too aggressive, way too competitive, way too much of an overachiever, always trying to show people up. Well... And way too successful at it. I'd left the patient out of the picture. Oh, looks like your wrestling partner tired herself out. Hi, I'm Yoshitakata. Hi, Jingmei Chen. She's doing much better with the Haldol. This is Cassandra Harper. She came Gloves. in extremely agitated with intense pruritus. Called for a psych consult. Dr. Myers said it'll be down shortly. You think it's a psychiatric disorder? I do, yes. Either severe OCD or a body dysmorphic disorder. Yes, but um, did you see these? What? Burrows, papules. I think there's a good chance it's Lindane toxicity. She's got body lice. Classic symptoms. Applied Lindane for the lice, scratched herself, and the Lindane entered her bloodstream, thereby causing her altered mental status. But I guess we should wait for Dr. Uh... Myers. I'll give him a call. Right. Uh, can we note the exceptional face made by our very own Ellen Crawford in this episode when uh, she sees uh, Chen walk by. She just looks like she's seen a ghost. It is so, so good. So good. And like, it's, she's seemingly the only person in this place other than Carter who recognizes her because even Green doesn't remember her. Right. Despite the fact that he interacted with her multiple times when she was here the first time. But I mean, granted, it's a full five years ago at this point, but. I'm, I'm going to say this. This episode, like, I know Jingmei grows into herself and, like, becomes a much more, like, adult character and everything. And just, like, mm -hmm. she grows up. But she is so precocious here mm -hmm. that, like, she... I know there's plenty of people who don't like her on the whole. This episode had me even, like... Oh, yeah. this ugh, Especially this first uh, few minutes yeah. here, like, where she's, like... Which I think is the point, like, with yeah. how Carter is looking at her and, like, even Carter, who is arguably her biggest fan in this episode, is kind of annoyed by her in this yeah, first I, interaction. I, I know I love Chen later on, so how much she irritated me this episode really surprised me. I was yeah. not prepared for this. Yeah, I mean, from to it's a real, for me, like, just as kind of a, like, boom, surprise return kind of thing, I think it's a great moment, her kind of standing over him like that. Yeah. But then it, it kind of immediately gets ruined like afterwards because pretty much and the rest of this episode, she's not very likable. They rub it in your face like five times about how she almost killed someone. Yeah, yeah. yeah Which, like, well, you had to to refresh the memory of the folks. Right. Like, oh, didn't you kill that? Well, I mean, how you mean how I killed some? Well, I almost killed someone by leaving a guide wire in his chest. Yeah, I do. I do think that was definitely them trying to beat the audience over the head with it a little bit and be like, remember? Because in the grand scheme of things, I think she's only important to us because we've seen the whole series and because of what a big star she's gone on to be since this show ended. Since her time on this show ended. Um, I don't think in a vacuum, I don't think the character of Deb Chen was that important to people. So like no. they needed to really like, 
mm, beat that over the head. But she does it with Carrie later, too. It's just, it's a lot. It She's is. She's a lot this episode. She is definitely quite a bit this episode. But yeah, that Ellen Crawford face took me out. I had to... Well, it's like you said, it's like she saw a ghost. Like she, she's on, and she's not even in the scene that they're on, really. She's in the back. It's, it's a perfect example of one of those things we were talking about in our interview with Ellen of she's in the background. She's not even particularly fully in focus, but she's like on the next gurney down from where Carter and Chen are. And as they're walking over, you just see Ellen in the background stop and her eyes get big. And she just kind of like follows Chen with her eyes as she heads over. Like, how the fuck did she get back in here? Like, she almost killed a guy. See, I'm wondering if like Anthony Edwards actually told her to do something like that. Maybe so. I, it's... It, it could be. But I also know that that um, Ellen Crawford is just known for being on point in the background and not. And especially when we. So. Yeah. Especially when we asked her about it, the fact that she knew exactly what we were talking about is definitely an indication that a lot of those things were her own idea, but it wouldn't surprise me. Like I said, Anthony Edwards is a a really good director and likes to kind of do strange Mm -hmm. things like that. He likes to to take weird chances direction. If it wasn't any, if it was any other director, I'd say maybe it was just, maybe it was just a thing she did, but because it's Anthony Edwards. Yeah. I figured maybe either way it was like, Hey, we got to get some Ellen face in here. Exceptional take. And it like, Mm -hmm. I had to pause it and like, appreciate it in its full glory because it was so good um but speaking of mark uh he has to head back to san diego so he can direct the episode uh so he tells andrew that he is in charge until carrie gets in uh which andrew finds is very concerned about he's like who should i call if there's an emergency (laughs) like because carrie's not there carrie's not there yet like everybody's kind of tied up with different things so green was kind of like the only doctor that was free and he hands him the stethoscope and he's like, who should I call if there's an emergency? And he's like, a doctor. And then leaves. <laughs> like, it's just very good. Uh, but we get our uh, first patient for Carter. Uh, well, actually, our, our second patient, rather. Uh, Mr. Sumter, who slipped on his roof um, and who looks remarkably like the guy from Toy Story 2 who uh, repairs Woody. <laughs> or or the, the Al's toy barn guy. Yeah. Looks remarkably like that guy. Um. Carter's starting to get a little bit irritated with Deb's overzealous competence here. Um, they are draining some fluid out of the guy's knee, and uh, once they drain the fluid, it's a particularly gross color. It looks bacterial, maybe a staph infection, so they're going to do some tests on the blood, uh, or on the fluid, rather. Uh, and then our uh, psych resident, Dr. Myers, is down, and he praises Jingmei for her catch on the Lindane toxicity. So, points for Chen. We go over to Ben and Cleo, who are working on a patient that was brought in, uh, Tamara Davis, who was played by. Played by the Oh Hey, It's That Person of this episode. This is a pretty mm-hmm. light Oh Hey, It's That Person uh, episode, but uh, this is the biggest one here. Gabrielle Union, uh, who appeared in stuff like Bring It On, Bad Boys 2, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, among many other things. 87 credits to her name, uh, not including being Mrs. Dwayne Wade. Uh, that would probably be her biggest, Whoa. Uh, one of her biggest uh, credits. Uh, like the, still like currently currently Dane? currently oh, yeah cool. currently mrs Dwayne wade yeah there are uh, uh who is, i'm gonna ask a question nobody might know this answer but who is she in 10 things i hate about you is she the little sister's oh, friend no. i it's been a long time since i've seen that movie I love so that I, movie. and i it's a movie that i when i think of it i think of it as being an overwhelmingly white cast oh, exactly. so yes. i'm trying to remember who she would i'm see being that it takes place in a high school i'm assuming she plays one of the high school kids but it's, I need to go back and rewatch because that movie's a lot better than it has any right to be. It 10 really Things is. I Hate Absolutely. About You is great. I, I do think she's the little sister's um, 
friend or something like that. Fair enough. She yeah, that pay. sounds right. The little sister in that movie is um, uh, Alex Mack, the uh, yep. Nickelodeon mm-hmm. girl, whose name always escapes me. But Alex Mack. Yeah, she's just Alex Mack to me. Yeah. And had that but, one had that one random role on Mad Men. But it's really Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger. And, uh, Heath Ledger. Yeah, I was like the Joker. Who's who's the fucking <laughs> the, dead sad, the dead one? The dead one, not the asshole. Anyway, uh, but she was an offender, Medder and Lauren. Whose films are those? Uh, she has some tenderness in her wrist, and we will get back to her a little later. And uh, Mr. Sumter's results are back, record fast for an ER, <laughs> and it's gonorrhea. Don't you hate it knee. when you have gonorrhea in the knee? Uh, I'm not even mad, I'm just impressed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carter, Carter and Jing Mei are talking about it. They need to tell him, but they can't do it with the wife in the room. And it is up to him to fill her in because it's you know STIs, and they they can't invade that privacy and you know share it with anybody but the patient. Public health. So Chen asks, "Well, what about the Department of Public Health?" And Carter's like, "Well, you can call them, but it's unlikely that they're going to do anything with the information." So that's great. <laughs> And then Lizzie is checking on Dean Rollins, and he looks clearly in discomfort and pain. We are reminded that he fractured his pelvis, tore up his legs, so no wonder he's in pain and uncomfortable. And um, Lizzie's just trying to get information from him and trying to be stern with him about why he's in such shitty condition. And he tells her to get out and that he wants a new doctor. World's tiniest violin playing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Rollins. But then uh, Carrie arrives, and uh, Jingmei introduces herself to Carrie and Dave, and Jingmei confesses to Carrie why she's starting in January. And for some reason, I had it pegged in my brain. Just This is one of those things that I had pegged wrong mm-hmm. in my brain until we actually went back and are doing this show. For some reason, I thought Carrie and Jingmei had, inter- had overlap in the, in the mm. beginning. Yeah, that was one of those milestone things of realizing just how long Jingmei has been gone. Yeah, that the last time we saw Jingmei, we had no Carrie. Like, yeah. Carrie was a fit was a figment of the imagination of some writer. Yeah, I mean, granted, it is only like, I mean, there's a season break in there, obviously, but granted, it is only like I think five or six episodes that they miss each other by because yeah. Carrie starts in season two, episode one, and I think Jingmei goes away in season one, episode twenty one or twenty two. So it's yeah. it's very late in season one. And Lauren looks befuddled, looking at me, that the fact that they never met before this episode. And Carrie also looks befuddled at the story <laughs> that Jing Mei is telling her. Uh, but Dave offers to help Carrie with her busted car across the street, which is a nice little subplot. Yes. Uh, nice subplots kind of abound in this episode, with the exception of one that I find just kind of an odd choice. But we'll get into that one when we get to it. Um Jing Mei uh, then asks Andrew to get her the number for public health, and we find out Mr. Sumter's wife has gone to use the restroom, and Carter uh, tells him the test results. And uh, I really thought at first, when they started doing this, I thought they were going to frame it like the usual thing and then flip it on us that it was the wife who cheated. But they didn't, ultimately. Um, It says that he, uh, he finally cops to the fact that he slept with someone other than his wife one time, uh, and his wife hears about it from behind the curtain and then proceeds to beat the shit out of him with her purse, which is a pretty great I, visual. Her face when that curtain gets drawn back is the best thing I have ever seen. It's pretty good. 
It's a pretty good take. Uh, and Carrie runs over to uh, stop it. This is another one of those visuals that sticks out in my brain. Independent mm. of this episode, it yeah. just sticks out of my brain. Just her beaten with the, <laughs> the big purse. She's really going at him. Um, but then we see uh, Luca wheeling in a patient uh, with a, another gentleman. Um, it, it looks like he's burned his hands. or like His hands are wrapped up. They're wheeling him in, in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy that he's with um, is potentially, seems like he may have some developmental delays. Uh, and the, the guy with the hand wraps, the patient here, Dylan, is uh, played by actor Brian Hooks, who appeared in stuff like Fool's Gold, uh, Austin Powers 2, and Bullworth. Carter and Shen are telling Carrie what happened with all of that, you know, <laughs> that whole purse thing, on, purse on man violence, uh, and uh, asked Chen and asked Chen to work on work with Al on a Jane Doe he picked up, and uh, apparently and apparently Al's advice for the for the, for Jane Doe is my advice take the day off because she'd just been panhandling out in the cold so yeah. he was like stay here be warm but but, but no more Gabarski. Gabarski. No more Gabarski. My man like, gets up, walks out the door, and is never seen again. More like Gabaiski. I was just about to make that joke, too. I'm glad. Do you want to do it, too? Do you want to say it? It's really... Gabaiski. Gabaiski. <laughs> oh, God. I'm glad you both had fun with that. Yep, it was, uh, it was everything. Because you'll never get the chance again, because that is got the it. last time... Shots. Last time we will ever see Al Gabarski. Now I'm sad. And we go on to further sad things. We um, go back to Dylan and his brother, Jake. Um, we do find out it's Dylan burnt himself cooking is the story. He is 18, out of school. Um, Jake is upset and spiraling, apologizing and pacing because, you know, Dylan tells him to shut up just because he's trying to, like, keep control of the situation. And Jake is so overwhelmed, he ends up punching an x-ray light box and just kind of, like, curls up on on the floor. And Luca very sweetly goes over to comfort him and help, like, calm him down a little bit. So we're going to come back to Dylan and Jake and their situation. First we go outside. Carter sees Dave working on Carrie's car, and he still can't get it going. And Dave asks Carter what he knows about Chen, and Carter's just like, I did not try to go through every medical student. Gross. Almost but, every, though. Yeah, but also, like, he and he and Chen were peers at the time that they were together, so it's not as creepy. But still, he's like, no, I'm I'm good. But and, also, besides, she's not she's not a older white blonde lady. So or true. even same age white blonde lady. But yeah. yes, um, Carter gives his blessing for Dave to try and flirt with Chen because he knows that Jing Mei has better judgment than that. So he's like, sure. Go for it, whatever. Because women aren't your property. You do not need another man's blessing to flirt with a woman. Women are not property. Just going to say it again. Women are not (laughs) property. You do not rely on another man's blessing or another person's blessing to date a woman. That's her choice and her choice alone. Women are not property. All right, I'm done. Proof. It's proof, though, that we as a gender slash species uh, do understand the concept of consent. It's just misdirected. <laughs> like Yes. <laughs> also, bro code is need... proof that you understand the concept of consent. You're just doing I, it wrong. I just need to say this. I have been listening to too much in a snit today because I am just I am just channeling the two of them with this. Like, <laughs> uh, guys, if you have not checked out Sister Show in a snit covering Mad Men, please go do it. 
it's it's feminism wrapped in a glossy Mad Men package, and it's everything I've ever needed. It is educational <laughs> feminism. Go listen to it. I can't stop. Happy belated International Women's Day to all. Yes. Uh, we go back to Jake and Dylan. <laughs> very very uh, belated at this point. Yes. <laughs> Yesterday in real fine. time, three weeks ago in your years. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, we go back to Jake and Dylan. Um Found out Jake was cooking by himself and the kitchen caught on fire, and that's how Dylan burnt his hands. Trying getting home, and he just got home and tried to tried to put it out. And the parents are out of the picture entirely. Uh, and Jake works at the at their apartment complex cleaning up, and Dylan looks after him. They say, you know, we get by fine. Yeah, we do. We do just fine. I believe is the common yeah. refrain from dylan in this episode and you can tell dylan would do anything for his brother the love between these two it's like it's such a strong relationship it's not at all negligent or abusive it's Mm -hmm. just they're struggling because you know no parents and they're both so young so i just want to say that it is clearly a loving relationship and they are doing their best but then we we check on Halle working with jane doe to get her cleaned up and her clothes cleaned up and (laughs) They say, you get to lie about your name and your age, but you don't get to sit around in stinky clothes. We're going to go get this cleaned up and get it back to you. So Halle takes all her stuff in a personal belongings bag to get it cleaned up. And Halle calls Chen out to the desk for an urgent call. And I believe it was about a boy with meningitis. And Chen's like, I don't have a patient with meningitis. I don't have a boy patient. I don't know what you're talking like." Completely uh. missing the signals. And Halle was like, no, you do have a call. And finally, Chen goes out into the hall, and Halei says they found her wallet in her coat pocket. Her name is Alyssa Adams, and they have her contact information, too, so they can get a hold of the family. And here's where the storyline ends. It's totally nothing else happens at all. I'm it's just going to peace out and, and have a good night, everyone. <laughs> oh, if only that were true. Uh, but we, for now, we will circle back to Alyssa here in a little bit. But for now, we go over to uh, Cleo is still with Tamara. Uh, thinks that uh, she fell asleep at the wheel from pulling an all-nighter. But Cleo thinks that maybe she was depressed and trying to do something like that, which is an interesting leap to take, but sure. Uh, And then uh, Cleo bonds with her over sports, because remember, that's Cleo's only other distinguishable personality trait. Uh, And the parents come in to check on her. Uh, The very cartoonishly overbearing uh, coach parent uh parents like sports parents like they're is she going to be able to play like that's the only thing they're concerned about but before we find that let's go back up to the surgical floor i think are they on the surgical floor where is the jail it's the prison it's just in the prison ward it's a Uh, magical universe in and of itself it's inside of elaine's old apartment (laughs) if the floor tiles are to be believed god i want one of those pens uh oh the tile pens yeah Yeah, um, but Romano tells Corday that the detective had no luck, uh, tells her to go in and talk to, try to talk to Rollins again. See, I, I just like, I know his name is Dean Rollins, but my, my brain set, my brain sees Rollins and I just think Seth Rollins and I'm very confused. Yeah. Well, there's your contractually obligated weekly wrestling reference. Uh, moving on watch from it. there. Watch AEW everyone. It's so good. Okay, sorry. Moving on from there, uh, we go back. Uh, Dave uh, has still had no luck with the car. Uh, we get our next patient coming in via ambulance, a 11-year-old Jason Bender, who's uh, had to be pulled out of phys ed class uh, with shortness of breath. Uh, and Jason here is played by actor Cody Cash. 
who had a recurring role on Desperate Housewives, uh, the TV mm-hmm. series Normal Ohio, and CSI, Original Recipe, not L.A. or New Orleans or any of the other ones. Um, Carrie is checking on the situation with uh, Jake and Dylan and tells Luca that he needs to call DCFS. This might be a little important in a few minutes. Uh, we'll check back on them. Uh, Chen calls Mrs. Adams, a.k.a. Alyssa's mom. Another thing we will circle back on. Uh, and a call for Carol comes to the desk. Uh, and then we get another group of kids coming in for their scavenger hunt, which this is the the subplot of this episode that I don't really buy or don't really care about. Like, it comes up th- two or three times, but it just doesn't really do anything for me. I This was one, like, we talk about weird things that we just remember from episodes. This was one that the minute it showed up, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a thing that happened. Yeah, and I, unfortunately, I was the opposite. I, like, had zero memory of this, and, like, when it when it sh- popped up the first time at the beginning of the episode, I was like, okay, sure. You know, it's it's a little, like, gag thing to do with the Andrew character. Like, it's something silly and stupid to do with him. And I was also like, Lauren's really going to hate that camera flash. Uh, but It was not too much. It's when it's more repetitive that it really bothers me. But So, it, when she's watching me play Cyberpunk 2077, it's uh, that's not why, that's That's why I go in the kitchen. But, like, it... Uh, after that, I was just like, what, we're, we're doing this again? Like, we're bringing this up again? It was just, I don't know, just didn't do it for me. But it also doesn't really take away from the episode either, so. Uh, didn't you mention in the beginning? No, I forgot to put in the notes. I didn't care. Oh, it's yeah. very blink and you miss it. Like, the Andrew's in there, and they, those two girls come in, and they're like, are you a doctor? And he happens to be holding this stethoscope, and he's like, yeah, Why, yes, yes I, am. I am. Yeah, so. Um, but... Uh, we then go over to uh, Lizzie, who's talking to Dean about the missing Cordova girl. Uh, and ne- <laughs> the quote here from uh, Dean is, it's shitty, but it's also kind of a good quote. Is needless grief is what I do best, uh, which is a very super villain thing to say. Yeah. Uh, and then Yeah, no, like he's gone full. He, this oh. episode, he goes full like creepy super villain yeah. in this, this one versus... I mean, still a creep, but less super villainy. Yeah, he to- he's just awful. Tones down the creep a little bit and turns nope. up the evil villain stuff a lot nope. more. The balance is, has nope. shifted. Creep all the way, no matter what. Just fucking awful. I mean, there's different flavors of creep. Like, nope, just all terrible. This is this is like unsettling creep versus grotesquely vulgar creep that he was. This in... is this is like Hannibal. Yeah. Which I would argue, I would rather have Hannibal than uh, whatever that was last episode or two episodes ago when he was like, you know, you know what yeah. he, you know what yeah, he was yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what, what's going on with him? Uh, so he's still kind of playing the mind games a little bit with her, and he's like, "If I talk, will you still be my doctor?" Even though earlier he was like, "Fuck you, I want a new doctor." It's like playing the little of the mind games. He only wants to talk to the cor- the sister of the missing Cordova girl. Uh, and he says, I don't want to have to look at the mother. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, let's uh, get back to the young Jason Bender. Uh, he's been short of breath for a few days. He has a mild fever. But he, he gets up every morning at 5 for hockey, which I don't understand. Like, even, like, older me is, like, off, is, like off, feels super awful with that. I can't imagine 11-year-old... I getting up at five in the morning. I am so glad I was never a sports kid. Yeah, I so I I don't, I don't have a like I didn't have a, a great appreciation for particularly youth hockey until moving to Minnesota, um, because in our like arena right down the street, 
we have the of course we have the NHL team, the Minnesota Wild, but that also mm-hmm. happens to be the arena that they have the boys and girls high school hockey tournaments in every year. And the oh. the, the boys and girls high school hockey tournaments sell just as much, if not more, than your average wild game for tickets. Jesus. Like they have like twenty thousand people packed in there. And then they and then they sell standing room only tickets. Like they sell like my, my friend works in the box office there and he was telling me how like they will sell out all of their seats, then they'll start selling standing room only tickets, and then the box office manager person is there with the fire marshal doing the math to figure out how many more tickets they can sell before they have to stop. And then they'll and then they're like usually still have a line at the window <laughs> that they have to like back people away from when they're they stop selling standing room only tickets. It's wild. Ha. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, but Malucci likely ha- says the kid likely has pneumonia, but uh, there's he's a bit of a low voltage on his EKG, so uh, we'll get, circle back around to that. Go get a different machine. And we noted that um, when they do a transition from the treatment room out into the hall here, it does one of those pans like through the wall mm-hmm. almost. And Lizzie caught this. At 2137, you see a woman standing there with a chart on the right-hand side, clearly just waiting for her cue to walk across the hall to the woman on the bench. Yeah. yeah. The, she's, like, wearing, like, scrubs, right? Or like yeah, she's wearing scrubs. surgical scrubs. Surgical scrubs, yeah. Yeah. So, ex- excellent catch, Lizzie. Sure hope someone got fired for that blunder. <laughs> and can we talk to them? I think we might have already talked to the person who is responsible for that particular person. <laughs> like, I think we, we did talk to the person who uh, it was in charge of all the background actors around this time, and she was yep. very lovely. Yep. Uh, then Carrie is talking to Adele about Jake and Dylan, and Adele's like, oh, I haven't heard anything about these two. What are you talking about? Nobody's told me or DCFS anything about these two. Rut row. Uh, but then we go over to Benton, who uh, clears Tamara's x-ray, and uh, Cleo tells her, uh, goes in to tell her that she's good to go, and she starts crying, which is always panic-inducing when you start talking to somebody and then they just start crying right out of note. Like, especially as a guy, you have no idea what to do in that situation. You just kind of want to, like, what do I do? Hold out my hands. Like, do you need a hug? Do you need a – What should I just pat you on the head? Like, what should I do? <laughs> I still don't know how to handle that. Uh, the <laughs> – uh she lets in that the pressure of basketball is getting to her and burning her out with everything uh, that's going on and uh cleo uh kind of coyly or you know like you can see the gears turn in her head uh says that she's gonna go have the radiologist double check uh to make sure that there's no fracture so we'll check back in with them a little bit later and the storyline that lizzie believes does not exist lizzie plug your ears um, Alyssa, I have headphones on. How can I do this? <laughs> Take your headphones off. Alyssa is begging for her clothes back so she can leave. And she says, you took my clothes and you took my coat. You're trying to trick me just like they did. Uh, we find out that she ran away from a treatment center for gender identity when she's really just gay. She's just a little lesbian. I was very and surprised she, that yeah. that was the angle they went with. Nope. <laughs> I was just very like I just it's nope, it's yet a nope, this nope, is nope 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 no this nope. this is okay. an example of the show being somewhat ahead of the curve when it comes to a social issue mm-hmm. and dealing with it in I will give them credit here dealing with it in a more delicate and better presented way than they did back in ER Confidential 
Like, yep. that, like this is, that, this is like a, it's not still not perfect, but it's a smidgen better than it was way back when. And yeah. I just, again, it's one of those, it's, it's an issue that like, I wouldn't think we would find in a show at this time. I think it's what I continue to appreciate about, appreciate about ER on the whole is that they acknowledge that like LGBT people exist. Right. And, they, and, like, and not just in the, one. not just in like the purest, uh, sent like, like a lot of shows, especially like post Ellen, we're starting to like dabble in. I mean, there's will and grace at this point for Christ's sake. Like yeah. they gay people clearly exist in, in like pop culture zeitgeist at this point, but ER at least is dipping their toe. Like the fact that there's this conversion therapy, uh, thing going on. Like there's this, this treatment center for gender identity thing. Like that seems to me like a level of nuance that other shows wouldn't have been applying at this time. Like they would have just said, Oh, it's gay conversion therapy. Like they just sent her away because she's gay, not the gender identity angle. Yep. Which reminder, everybody conversion therapy is monstrous. It shouldn't be done. It should be illegal. And it's just, no love your, love your peeps exactly how they are. This is bullshit. We should not still be having this conversation 22 years later. Yeah, that's honestly the most frustrating angle of this is how little of the circumstances of this particular issue have certainly not gotten better, but haven't changed much, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lizzie, you're good. Okay, I'm going to check back in? Yeah, you can check back in. Okay. We go back up to the jail ward. Uh, Corday is asking the sister to talk with Rollins since he will only talk to her, and the detective says that they may never find Jenny without Lindsay asking. Awesome. And uh, Dave is working on cleaning spark plugs when Lucy comes in. Hey, remember her? Uh, Lucy shows him the x-rays because radiology flagged it. And uh, there's there's quite a big mass uh, around the young boy's heart that has infiltrated his lungs. Ugh. So it's inoperable. And yeah, Dave just recognizes it right away. This kid's dead. Yep. And I love how he's like, well, shit, no wonder the EKG was coming up weak. Yeah. This is definitely one of those, um, like, Genie season five episodes for Lucy this week where she just gets to show up and wave and then leave. Like, because she has this moment and then she has the other, uh, the moment a little bit later with Luca. And then that's pretty much all Lucy gets to do this week. Mm -hmm. uh, then we go over to Carter and Chen talking about Alyssa and Halei calls them in to help with the situation because... The gentleman from the treatment center is her temporary guardian and is there to pick her up. Uh, they lie and say that Alyssa is pregnant and that makes her technically an emancipated minor, so she can't leave because she doesn't want to. Good on them. Yeah, good on them, but I'll also refer you back to my previously audio question questionable audio level of uh, nope. nopes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we go from there to uh, back up to the prison ward where uh lindsey cordova has finally made her way in to speak to dean and uh this is like real uncomfortable this the whole thing like he's extra extra fucking creep here uh says that he never really gets to know the family and says she says that they don't want his suffering they just want to know where her sister is and then he like t dials it up to a thousand and is just like, maybe if I met you, Jenny would still be alive. And Jenny screamed all the time. I was glad to be rid of her. And it's just, nope. and she like runs screaming and crying from the room and it's just a bad look all the way around. And 
<laughs> on a very tone deaf note, uh, Lindsay here is played by actress Amy Stewart, who appeared in stuff <laughs> like Monkey Love, Private Practice, and The West Wing. I'm going to ask, why is that tone deaf? Because I don't. Because I just had to like break where we were talking about this awful creep God, thing to you. then move over to her credits, which, especially when you have to say a phrase like monkey love, feels inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I just wasn't sure if there was like some joke I missed with the actress or something. I gotcha now. Um, but then Luca is talking to Dave and says that... Um, he needs to be the one to tell Jason about the cancer, not waiting for oncology. Malucci has to be the one to talk to them about it. And um, we then see Dylan and Jake are leaving the hospital because they accuse Luca of giving them up since uh, family services had come to talk to them. And they were like, what the fuck? You said you weren't going to do that. So they were trying to bail. Uh, Luca begs them to come back in just to finish treatment and that he's going to handle it. And then Carrie tells Carter and Jingmei to get Alyssa to an LGBT center on Wabash, get her in a cab, and get her over there. But in the future, please don't lie about our patients. And at least they didn't falsify the chart. So Alyssa's fine. She's safe. She goes off and leaves, lives a happy gay life. <laughs> Huzzah. And then Benton asks, uh, who's cleaning auto parts in Trauma 1? <laughs> oh, Dave. Tamara's dad comes by asking Benton why they're putting a cast on her on... Um, Dad and the mom are pressuring her to play, but Cleo explains to Benton why he's why she's doing the cast. And then she says, that girl hasn't made a choice for herself since she was 11. <sighs> mm, mm, mm. Yeah, they, again, as I said earlier, when the parents first showed up, like they're very, very kind of one-dimensional characters. Like they are definitely just the overbearing sports parents, and that's pretty much all there is to them. So then we go back over to Malucci, who is talking with Jason about his... Uh, results uh, and we find out that uh, he's already had leukemia once uh, and the prognosis is not great uh, given the current circumstances the cancer has kind of surrounded his heart uh, so and uh, Carrie comes in while uh, Dave is in the middle of kind of sharing a moment with the family and tries to like carry him basically tries to you know do the usual Carrie Malucci act and uh, he has like a genuine moment of like maturity here where he's like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm busy and Carrie recognizes it and just kind of like steps out. And I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's about like the spark plugs or whatever. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I, I continue to be sort of blown away by how much I'm not hating him in the first, you know, 10 episodes or so of his time on the show. Uh -huh. but, yeah. You can tell he's clearly affected right now and that he's taking it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, there have been like one or two moments where I found myself annoyed with him um, over the course of these first 10 episodes. But like, by and large, he has had a really pretty strong start here. Like, mm -hmm. um, I mean, and, and honestly, like, I think the quality of Luca's work overall is stronger, but he's also, Luca's also positioned to be more of a main character than Malucci is. Um, and he's just simply in fewer episodes than Malucci is this first 10 mm -hmm. over this first 10 of the season um but like so in a, in a way like Malucci's kind of the standout of the new cast members of the first 10 episodes like because Cleo is clearly bringing up the rear like words you I never thought I would hear you say it's it's all Eric Palladino I mean fault. I'm not gonna lie that that's that, that doesn't play a part in it but at the same time like I just can't deny that the fact that the first 10 episodes 
other than a few moments, have been really strong from him. And and he's in mm-hmm. almost every episode, whereas Luca goes away for like half of the first ten episodes. So it, it's just we've gotten to see more of him. Uh, but we then go all the way across the country over to San Diego, uh, where Mark has arrived at his dad's house. Uh, the for sale sign is uh, knocked over in the yard, uh, ripped out of the ground, and uh, his dad initially doesn't want to answer the door and then is surprised to find that it is Mark uh, and says that the house is off the market and that dang real estate agent just won't take no for an answer. It's going great. It's, it's yeah, going totally great. Fine. Totally fine with his dad. Uh, we'll check back in with them a little bit later. Uh, but back uh, in the ER, Luca asks Carrie why she hired him if she's not going to trust his judgment as an emergency physician. Um, we will definitely touch on this a little bit later when it comes to this is where we're going to get sort of the first of many versions of the story of where Luca has come from and what his background is and his kind of trauma is. So. Uh, but then we see Cleo telling uh, Tamara that she can play if she really wants to. Uh, but, you know, you don't want to start resenting your talent. Play for you. So, cool. Which is a solid life it's, advice. It is. It's kind, of, it's kind of like us saying not everything has to be content. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, do it because it's something you want to do, not something that you feel like you have to do or something that you are just good at and you don't want to stop doing it you know kind of thing so it, i mean it, overall it is a good lesson i still i think i'm just frustrated by the overall one this is a very representative sample of the one dimensionality that is cleo as a character like mm-hmm. this this is about as deep as we're gonna go folks like we're not really gonna get much deeper with cleo with her storylines or with the, the really the most notable thing to come out of this whole um episode and this whole storyline with her is that it's the first real other than that one scene earlier in the season where she brought uh, she took care of Reese for a hot second this is mm-hmm. really the first time we're seeing Cleo and Benton paired up in any sort of like meaningful way where they're actually getting to like have philosophical conversations and have disagreements and things like that so that's really the only notable thing to kind of come out of this yep and then we find out Lucy, of all people, I, don't, I thought she was with Dave, uh, got Dylan an interview as a building super. But in this moment, it's kind of all for naught as a, a very hard scene to watch as we see uh, Jake being dragged down the hall and into a van by Adele and Reggie. Very interesting that Reggie makes a post-Genie appearance. I yeah. did not remember that at all. I just assumed mm-hmm. that Reggie got apparated into the Shadow Realm when Genie left. So this is very interesting. And uh, Lauren says we have a new saddest moment on the show. This this was so hard to watch. Yeah. This... Yeah. Not great. And yeah, a, a very odd utilization of Lucy there. Like, don't really know why Lucy got plopped down into the middle of that whole thing. Like, I feel like that could... And have her and Luca ever interacted before? No. Like, <laughs> this is their first interaction, right? That I, th- I, that I can so. think of. So it's like... They're in the season six cast photo. So, so, so presumably they met that day, (laughs) but like, I don't know. It's just a very, I don't know who else you could have subbed in here other than, you know, a a desk clerk or something, but like my, it's just odd. And my, my impression is that Luca was asking around and Lucy may have just happened to have a lead. But, um, we go back to nightmare fuel. Lizzie is back with Dean and he says, the games, they're no fun anymore. I hate that my brain just went, the games, they do nothing. 
But, oh my uh, god. The, the games, they're no fun anymore. Not even that last one, which is fucking horrifying. Yeah. And he says he wants to die. Um, I want to point out, I watch horror movies. I watch Hannibal. I watch American Horror Story. None of that bothers me. This guy fucking made my skin crawl off. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a testament to his performance or what, but ugh. Um, and then we go to uh, Shannon Murphy, who is 26, slipped down a 15-foot incline into a polar bear pit. Um, Jesus. She says, he was really gentle. He licked my face. All the other students got pictures of the polar bear. I got a picture with the polar bear. And she won the $1,000 for the scavenger hunt. Let it be known that sel- selfies are very dangerous, folks. Yep. It's just what a like what a Mad Libs way to write a storyline. Like yep. she's 26, slipped down a 15 foot incline into a polar bear pit. Like it's just it feels like they just <laughs> filled in the blanks on this storyline because it doesn't. This is it. Like that's the one and only scene you get from this. There's no follow up, so it's just yeah, very odd. Yeah. So last four scenes of this episode are all presented to you in audio clip form. So let's uh, kick it off with. Carrie and Luca discussing the Jake and Dylan situation. Luca, I heard about what happened. I'm sorry. Don't don't apologize. It might not always make sense to us, but when there's a difficult family situation, we call DCFS because they have expertise in this area. We have to defer to their judgment. You don't break up families. Sometimes we do. It's complicated. No. My wife and kids were taken. In the war? Yeah. And then killed. You don't break up families. Eh, were they, though? Like, it's, uh, it, it's murky. Like, <laughs> oh it's murky. They, it's, we, can, we can safely establish the fact that they are dead. Yes, they are dead. And... His wife may be his daughter, or his daughter may be his wife. I can't remember how they fucked that one up, but there's there's some switching of names between wife and daughter at one point, and the later revision of this story is not that they were taken and then killed, but that their apartment building was bombed and they died in the bombing, and like there's just Luca's backstory. It's it's one of those things like we were there was a very interesting this is really going to date this there was a very interesting discussion on our facebook group this morning about a fan theory that was going around uh, mm. about uh whether or not the possibility that coburn might have been drunk during the events of love's labor lost and that's why she doesn't show up for an extended period of time which i thought was a really interesting theory that actually makes sense in canon because if we fast forward way down the line uh coburn is abby's aa sponsor and she Mm -hmm. mentions to abby that she has been sober since 1996 and the events of love's labor laws take place in march of 1995 so coburn so maybe that's what coburn by her own admission was not sober during that period so it makes for a very interesting story but jen t friend of the show made a great point in the comment section which was uh isn't it isn't it funny how this show can have all these fun theories and like ask all these interesting burning questions years after the fact and yet they couldn't do something so simple as to keep a main character's backstory straight from one season to the next because Luca's backstory is a fucking mess and it's one of the biggest like glaring uh, black eyes on the character is that they just could never seem to quite nail down what was going on with his family and like 
stick to one story. But but Lauren, you saw something in this particular scene here that you had never I seen before. Did. I if I was right in the background, I think I saw Joey for the first time. Shout out to Joey. Hashtag spot Joey, even though the hashtag is long. We 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 finished our month. Uh, where I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep looking for. Oh, him like I said, I this I think at, I think this is the first time I've ever seen. As him. I said when we first started that whole little campaign, um, it's the kind of thing that once you start seeing him, you will never be able to stop because he is <laughs> he is in the back. He starts at around like season four or so, and then is in the show for the rest of the run, and they will use him in any number of different capacities in the background. Sometimes he's an orderly. Sometimes he's a nurse. Sometimes he's a doctor. It just, the, the man is a chameleon. Also carries blind trust in the DCFS kind of hits different after the last couple of weeks or so as a trans person. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, just the world has progressed past the need for Texas, but getting back to the episode, uh, our next audio clip is going to be Mark and his dad. So much for the retirement community, huh? I gave it a try, Mark. You're only there a week. Yeah. Longest week in my life. What are you going to do now? I'll get by. Don't trouble yourself. It's no trouble. <laughs> yeah, like hell. You move in with that girl yet? Elizabeth? No, not yet. Actually, I've been thinking about it, and, you know, we never really talked about Maybe you should come live with me in Chicago for a while. Why would I do that? I don't know. Weather could be better, but it's a great city. You're closer to Rachel, you're closer to me. For a while? As long as you like. I'm not selling this house, Mark. How could you? Answering the door in your underwear tends to scare off the buyers. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> Chicago, huh? I, per I would like to uh, write my local alder person and get a petition started to change the official motto of Chicago to the weather could be better, but it's a great city. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I just could listen to John Cullum talk all day, every day. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> I love that you were there a week. He's like, yeah, it's the longest week of my life. <laughs> I think a week in a living situation is a good, good amount of time to get used to, especially something like a nursing home. I'd say like a month. Yeah, all depends. But I also, I also love. Why would I do that? <laughs> right. Why the fuck would I want to come live by myself? And my I son? like, I like to like his the boldness of his stubbornness where. Literally all that's left in that house at the moment is the lawn chair that he is sitting on and the pizza box in his lap. Like all of the furniture is gone from that house. And yet his, he is steadfast in his assertion that he is going to remain in this house. <laughs> it's like, good. Okay, man, I'm happy for you. All right, rolling right along. Let's listen to Malucci and Carrie talking about her car. You are not one to get your tune-ups done on a timely basis, are you? Did you get it started? Sorry, yeah. It's not going to break down on the way home. Nope, I can at least fix cars. What? Nothing. You're good to go, boss. Thank you, Dr. Malucci. My pleasure. Hey, so how was your first day? Everyone treat you all right? Uh, yeah, feels like I never left. You guys want to go get something to eat? Oh. No. I don't think so. Okay. Thanks. Hey, you working tomorrow? Me? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, what a coincidence. So am I. See you, Carter. 
Oh, I have to warn what? you about him? <laughs> oh, please. So how was your first day? Uh, well, I wish I could have done more for Alyssa. At least you did something. Yeah, I guess so. Why did you come back? I told you. Uh, my program in New York closed. No, no, I mean, uh, I mean the medicine. Oh, oh. Um, well, four months after I quit, I was on the subway in this guy, pretty young in his 40s, went into cardiac arrest. He was dying and everyone was just standing there staring at him. So I suddenly realized, hey, I know what to do. Jumped in, saved his life. <laughs> it's a great feeling. Yeah, it can be. And then I figured, I'm pretty good at this. Why waste it? Deb, you haven't changed a bit. It's Jingmei. Good night, Jing Mei. Good night, John. Oh, and Deb, welcome back. I can't tell if I think John is being, or Carter's being disrespectful when she goes, it's Jing Mei. Okay, Jing Mei. Deb, welcome back. Yeah. Or if it's like him being endearing and like ribbing. I can't tell if it's white man being just presumptuous and disrespectful or if it's actually being cute yep. i i can feel myself sort of reevaluating my position on it as we watch because it's mm -hmm. one of those things mm -hmm. that i have always thought of as just like a term of endearment or like mm -hmm. because this time around i think without without exception i think he is the only one who will ever refer to her as yeah. dead ever again like everyone yeah. else it's jing mei from here on yeah everyone else it's either jing mei or chen and yeah so, and part of me still believes that that is what it is, you know, like I, I certainly have, you know, friends and stuff for whom I have like terms of affection that nobody else would call them that or like kind of thing. But yeah. when she does, it's the fact that she corrects him, I think. And then he still yeah. like does it anyway. Does it. And especially. It feels a lot like dead naming to me. Right. Especially when it's somebody who's asking to no longer be called by their Western American name. I am doing such aggressive air quotes yeah. here, but going by their actual like proper given name to then turn around and go like, I'm still going to call you this. Right. Which I do think, cause it's, cute. I do think was a like, genuine attempt by the writers to give her character a proper like mm -hmm. footing this time around and like make up for kind of how underdeveloped she may have been as a, a mm -hmm. season one character. And I do sort of think that the Carter only referring to her as Deb thing is meant to be sort of both a term of endearment on his part and also, yeah. too, it's the writers giving a little bit of a nod to her time on the first time around. Yeah. Like, I don't think he means it maliciously, no. but like Lizzie said, it comes across like dead naming as we look at it again because we're a bunch of snowflakes and we've got to pull everything you love apart. <laughs> it's the when we call this setting the tone and a pedantic ER retrospective for a reason. Yeah. yeah. It, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be us if we weren't overthinking it, but, but I yeah. will say, uh, as, as not as, um, as unenjoyable as I found her for most of this episode, I am still genuinely very excited for the fact mm -hmm. that she is back. And I'm very excited for this dynamic too, because as we've talked, as we talked about when she first popped up in season one, she's like the one and only platonic female character friend that Carter has the entire time he's on this fucking show. Like he's yeah. the only, she's the only female character that he's not trying to bone. And it's great. Like it is a genuinely great friendship. Like, and I'm very excited to get to enjoy this phase of it again. And yeah, I'm just, I hope that that part of it isn't going to color too much of that as we go. 
Yeah. And also, can I just point out how adorable her little pink coat and hat are and how cute she is when she, like, smiles under the L at the mm-hmm. end of that? Yeah. Just like, it's, it's good. Welcome back, Chen. I would also like to shout out the Maluchia line. Well, at least I can fix cards. <laughs> yep. And then Carrie's, no, Carrie's like, like, what do you, what? And he's like, nothing. <laughs> just walks away. It's, I didn't even laugh. It, I, I laugh, but it's also so sad. I didn't even catch it. So good. Thank yeah. you for pointing that out. That is really sad. <sighs> All right. Uh, let's round out this episode with uh, someone killing the creep. Morphine. A hundred milligrams injected into your bloodstream. You simply drift away. Won't even hurt. Is that an offer? You'd have to tell me where the body is. Why do you care so much? Were you serious or not? Won't you get into trouble? The Hippocratic Oath and all. You're worried about me now, are you, Dean? No. But I know you. As soon as you get what you want, you'll just, you'll stop. I won't. Yeah, but how do I know? What are you gonna promise me, Dr. Corday? Believe me, you'll know. You'll feel yourself going. I just hope you have breath enough to tell me. Well, what if I don't? Then I'll crack open your chest and bring you back to life. Okay. Let's do it. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you? I'm glad it's you, Elizabeth. Where is she, Dean? Bleak. Hate this, hate this, hate this, hate everything about it. Just, I hate, I hate it so much. I hate that he brings her down to roll in the mud with her. I hate that. Yeah. Do we just, I I hate the Dean storyline so much. I'm going to finally, I'm going to finally say it because we're at the end of it. We're at the very end of it. I fucking hate this storyline. One more. But... One more? Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, we have we have one more next week. <laughs> but wait, but he's dead. No, he's not dead. Oh, it, no, they, she's, they leave oh, it they actually. leave it ambiguous as to whether or not she actually pushed the drugs. Like Yeah. So but uh yeah, it's not great. I still think I would I don't oh god, what a Sophie's choice. I feel like I still prefer this to Elaine. Like Wow. I don't know. Like, it's like they're both really fucking awful Let's in different ways. Let's just not have either of them. Well, I know, but yeah. like, like like if you had to pick one, like you have to have one or the other. It's like, I don't know. Like, uh, I'd pick Elaine. This is worse. The Elaine one this, was, I don't know. They're both creepy. This like, is just so in different ways. This is so uncomfortable. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. But uh, I would say I think... I think this might be our first kind of bump in the road in season six. <laughs> like this is our first, I mean, not bad that it took, Oh, I would go low. I'd say six. Like I'd say, yeah, five, that's fair. I'd yeah. say five or six. Like there's v- so little in this episode that really truly works. You're right. I'll go six. And like going back through and looking at it, like, I think honestly, Dave is the only part of this episode that really is worth saving. Like, mm-hmm. well, Luca too, Luca too. 
like Luca and Dave are the only two parts of this episode that are really worth saving. Like everything, like Chen kind of sucks this episode. Like we talked about is other than when she first shows up is pretty unpleasant. This whole episode, um, Mark's gone. The awful conversion storyline. The the conversion storyline. Cleo's storyline is maddeningly one dimensional. Mm-hmm. And and Benton just gets caught up in it and is unable to do anything interesting as a result. And so like there's just not a whole lot in this episode that I really want to like sink my teeth into. And so by re- by process of elimination, Malucci ends up coming out of this smelling like a fucking rose. Like he comes out of this being like, wow, maybe he can be the Doug Ross replacement. He's kind of funny and like a little bit good with kids. Like that's, that's what we're left with. That's the take home message that we're left with because the rest of this episode is pretty meh. I have nothing. nothing Yeah, that's fine. 6.5 out of 10. I'll split the difference between you two. (laughs) You're right though. This is, this is our lowest one yet for this season, which amazing. It took this long. Yeah. Well, what the listeners have to say about it. Uh, we'll start with Franner W says, Oh joy, the return of Jing Mei Chen. Love Ming Na. Jing Mei, not so much. Thought I might be less irritated by her this time round, but something about the character just grates. She is up on the highest of all the high horses. Heather R says, As someone who didn't watch ER from the start, having Chen enter the show here wasn't a comeback reference for me, though I could tell she and Carter had some kind of history. It didn't make for any kind of odd transition. For me, it was just another new doc cast member in a season six of Transition. Oh, and my mom probably told me, hey, she was on As the World Turns, just like she did when Sherry Stringfield later returned saying, hey, she used to be Blake on Guiding Light. Yes, we're big soap fans here. Cleo treats Gabrielle Union and they bond over being athletes. We get it. Cleo is an athletic doctor. At least that's the only other piece of identity they try to give her so they can say, see? She's not just around to be Benton's girlfriend. She runs to work and played basketball and ran track. (laughs) Melinda S. says, I love those few shining moments where Malushi shows some heart. Watching him connect with a sweet boy over hockey and then having to tell him he's going to die. Well done, Dr. Dave. We knew you were capable of more than just douchiness. I'm guessing the writers had not yet ironed out Luca's history, as he says his family was taken, then killed, which we eventually learned through Bishop Stewart's arc, cannot wait for that, that it went a little differently. Which leads me to the excitement that one of my favorite guest star arcs will be coming soon. I love James Cromwell. Welcome back, Jing Mei. I do love her character, but there are some mannerisms that Ming-Na displays that kind of annoy me. She emphasizes certain words when she talks. I can't really explain it better than that. And soon to come, her repetitive habit of putting her hand on her forehead to show stress or frustration. Trust me, once you see it, you won't ever unsee it. Lexi Y says, I love that Jing Mei is back. She was never a favorite, but I never disliked her. In fact, I liked her relationship with Carter. She might be the only woman besides Weaver or Corday that didn't try to set him up with that they didn't try to set him up with or have a cute boy crush on. She always told him how it is. Loved seeing Gabrielle Union, but agree with the above post about not giving Cleo enough of a personality beyond being Benton's athletic doctor girlfriend. At Basic Mall says this. This is the episode that gives part of the reason that I'm scared shitless of Elizabeth at times. The almost did a murder, which just scares me. Like a lot. I can't believe we're already at the return of Jing Mei. I like seeing her trying to adjust back into county along with the new staff. I also really like Mark going to get his dad. 
Their relationship in this season is one of my favorite parts of it and just non-romantic of the show in general. You can see how much Mark really cares and wants to help him and improve their relationship. I'm excited to see it throughout the rest of the season, but I always cry at the end of this arc. It's just done so well. At SMB for the win says, Ming-Na Wen! Yes! She completely makes up for the fact that Elizabeth didn't actually kill Rollins. Sorry, Lizzie. Which no one would have blamed her if she did. But back to Ming-Na, who has given a great patient storyline to deal with her first day back. Fuck all parents who send their children off to brainwashing conversion camps. Fuck them with some something hard and sandpapery. And Dean. He can be included in that as well, considering all the depraved BS he pulls this week. On a happy note, Mark has finally invited his father to come live with him. I really do love David Green and all the shenanigans we're about to get with him and Miss Corday. The episode, this episode is the start of a lot of things to look forward to. See, I was trying to play it like she actually did kill him. Come on. Y'all are spoiling next week's episode. <laughs> so I can be like, ha ha, psych. Damn it. A- another bit bites the dust. Damn it. Uh, my ruse is not paid off. But that's about going to wrap up our episode. But that's about going to wrap up our episode for today, folks. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. I almost said watching. I don't know why. Like, that's just going multimedia with this shit. Please, God, no. <laughs> This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash sign the tone podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews and over 40 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes. A free form monthly bonus show called The Lounge. Movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. And flash forwards where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Setting the Tone Podcast. And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter. I have nothing creative for what I'm doing, but I'm at Lobo9234, Lobob92345 on Twitter, not Lobot92345, because there is an imitator. There is an imposter on Twitter. Don't believe the hype. It's okay. Don't report that one. It's Daniel being an asshole. <laughs> it's a spam bot. Just just report it, please. No, don't. I, I love my imper- my impersonator friend. And you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at randomgamer. That's J-M-3-R. Uh, there is no impersonator of me. You get the one and only. Thanks again, everyone, everyone very much for listening. Please join us again next time. Have a great week. Bye.